Insight with Tyler Jenks, guys. Thanks for showing up again. Another Friday. Another week over. Another week of tons and tons of sad news and happy news and just like flat out like, what's going on with our country? Uh, it's a crazy world out there, guys. Uh, we're going to start out with the obvious and the, the biggest part of the news this week. Um... Ruth uh, Bader Ginsburg uh, passed away, our Supreme Court Justice. She fought for women's rights. She fought for equal pay and things like that. And was a big, um, big figure. You know, the notorious RBG instead of the notorious B.I.G. Uh, she was, may have been from another generation that might not really understand memes and stuff like that, but she got it. And she thought it was great. She loved the connection to pop culture and stuff like that, that, you know, she became a, a figure to all of us. And it's really sad that she's passed. And let's just give, let's give her a moment of silence. If you guys don't mind. Notorious B R B. <laughs> See now, I I get it mixed up because B I G. Uh, R B G. You know, she was really a great leader and a great Supreme Court justice and fighter for women's rights and things like that. Now, what happens now that she's gone? Sadly, uh, she wasn't even given a day, twenty four hours to be at rest. To for people to question what's going to happen, and we're going to look into detail about looking to insight from me into really what this is all about because I've been talking about it all week and discussing it with other people and looking at what's happened and everything. Uh, the president. Set by the Senate. I can never. I always say president instead of president. If you know what I mean. If you know what I mean. If that makes sense. Um, So Mitch McConnell and the Democrats for a whole last two years of Obama's administration did not vote in a single judge. Maybe a couple, but not not any anybody. Not enough to say that they did, you know what I'm saying? And the Supreme Court Justice, obviously, Garland did not get in. And, you know, Garland was more of a right-winger anyways, but, you know, that's besides the point. That's who Obama wanted to pick. Fine. But Mitch McConnell goes and says, well, you know, we're not going to go and vote on it because it's an election year. In an election year, you shouldn't be uh, putting in anybody until after the election. So you know who's the president, who's going to be the president for the next four years. And I get that. I get that part. And I get the hypocrisy here happening right now. But we also have to look at it as they may have set that president f verbally, 
but they also physically set the president of if you lose the Senate during your presidency, you're not getting anything in. And they did that. Now, did Trump get anything in when the Dem- when Democrats will in the Senate? Um, they will. They will 100% vote with Trump in the Senate. Uh, that's kind of the, the crazy part is that if they lose the Senate this coming up election and Trump wins, they are going to keep voting in his judges and appointees and every, everything in between. There won't be a real resistance. And uh, that's that's the big part is like I, lo- I live in Illinois. So Tammy Duckworth and Dick Durbin voted for federal judges in the handful of life appointee federal judges um, that Trump appointed. They voted for them. Now, you can say in that in that fact that like, well, Illinois has a lot of Republican people, too, you know, Southern Illinois. Well, yeah, but they're a Democrat. And according according to Joe Biden and the DNC, you're supposed to vote no matter blue, no matter who blue, no matter what. But they voted against the blue, against the left and voted right wing, straight up right wing, too. Is that okay? Are we going to hold them accountable? I think we should. I think we need new progressives to run against them. Them both. I thought Tammy Duckworth, when she first was running, was a great choice. And I voted for her 100%. But now that I see that she does this, well, can we really have someone that isn't going to get pulled in with the lines? And that goes for Chuck Schumer, too. Is Chuck Schumer probably said... They're going to get them in anyway, so vote however you want. Well, guess what? Voting however you want with, um, in that case, just shows that the DNC doesn't really care about what judges Trump's getting in, if Trump's getting anything in, or even doing anything. You know what I'm saying? He's like, he wants to change the law. They'll support it. At least a couple will support it at minimum. And Chuck Schumer won't pull in the reins in the Senate. Nancy Pelosi. Oh, God. This is another story. Nancy Pelosi on the news gets asked. Uh, like midway into their conversation in an interview or something like that. Uh, are you going to pull any arrows out of your quiver? Or are you saving them? Or what? what is the action that you're taking? Nothing, nothing's not on the board, correct? She stares into the camera. Stares. Waits. Waits. And the anchor's like, what the? What's going on, you know? With, the, with his eyes and moving them around and stuff. And all she's like, hello, good morning. It's a Sunday morning. And he said, what? And then she starts talking about, you know, it's our constitutional duty to defend it and fight against Donald Trump and this and that. What? You mean you can't say that nothing's 
off the table because you already took off everything off the table. Nancy Pelosi already said that they're not shutting down the government. And that's ridiculous. And I get the ramifications of shutting down the government. I really do. But the ramifications of a Supreme Court justice that's conservative, that's really not supposed to be conservative, but obviously will vote conservative, um, and potentially overturn not just Road v. Wade, but ACA. And even though I don't think a- Mitt Romney care is any good, there's only two pennies in there that are worth it. Um, she won't do that. She won't, she won't, um, pull in the reins of anybody else. They won't, you know, fight it any, in any way, in any way or form. They won't say they'll impeach them because of the president, president set by Mitch McConnell in Obama's last two years last year you know and she won't say that they'll add more if joe biden gets in and none so what's the plan what's the plan to stop fascism what's the plan if our democracy is so gone or we're gonna lose our democracy if trump wins again what are you doing to stop him current currently what are you doing to stop him he has a supreme, another Supreme Court justice pick. What are you doing to stop him? Nothing. Nothing. That's the answer. They chose nothing. They chose nothing and they love it. They love just just suckling on the teeth of the corruption and the teeth of the corporations and just taking that donor money of the mega million and mega wealthy donors they have. And their wealth just keeps growing and growing and growing. Growing. It's it's so odd that neoliberals, even still today, knowing this stuff, will say, yeah, but, you know, we got to get Trump out. Yeah, but when they're doing the same exact thing and it's not wrong to you then, why is it wrong when Trump does it or when the DNC or the GOP does it? You know, the DNC rigged two primary elections against Bernie Sanders, they did. And um, it's it's just something that's so outrageous that people aren't understanding that you got to hold your own party to the same standards you want to hold the other party to. If we're going to stay with this duopoly bowl, then we have to fight against it. We have to f- hold each other accountable just like a checks and balances. Um, now I can talk to you. I'm going to move on to the next subject because, you know, Ruth's death and the in action of the left and the DNC and the leadership in Congress and Congress, the Democrats in Congress itself is just disgusting and unhurting and everything. Uh, let me talk to you about, uh, I went out and helped uh, gather signatures for John Lash. See, I always mess his, mess his last name up because it's spelled L-E-A-C-H-S, I think. See, now I can't even think about it. Hold on. Let me just look it up. 
John for Aurora on Facebook, Twitter, every you know, everything. Let me see. Yeah, L-A-E-S-C-H is how he spells it. It's pronounced Lash. John Lash. Now, he's running for Aurora mayor. The election will be in February. If you're from Aurora, make sure you get out on February to vote for John or vote for whoever you want. I won't tell you who to vote for, but I believe in John. And if you believe in what I'm talking about and uh, he, I disagree with John on some issues, but uh, I think John's the best choice to stop one, the corruption, especially with the uh, Hollywood casino in Aurora by getting, uh, you know, 10 million tax cut on them while the school loses a million dollars in a deficit you know they're going in a million dollar deficit just because the casino is not paying their property tax so uh let me tell you a little bit about john john lash was born and raised on the mission field in west africa his family moved to the fox valley area in 1986 when john was 12 years old after serving as a military intelligence analyst in the middle east and earning a bachelor's degree from Illinois State University, John eventually settled in Aurora in 2008. Lash is a union carpenter, Local 174, who has been very active in electoral policy, politics, and issues advocacy at all levels of government. He is running for the office of mayor because he believes that a new vision for Aurora that is focused on alternative energy and green building will carve out a long-term sustainability future for Aurora's residents and economy. And that's like one of the big parts is like the green energy is coming and that's, that's that it's going to happen. And we need to realize that if our city of Aurora or the city of your town or village of your town or whatever it is, uh, doesn't jump on this now, it's going to be left behind in the economy of the green energy that is going to skyrocket cities either up or into the ground. And that includes like coal, coal industry towns, like in West Virginia, they should be starting to um, switch over to green energies and focusing on that kind of bring those kind of industries into town. Um, but, you know, that's all about leadership in your city and uh, state and everything else. But your city is super important because your local politics affect you way more than anything else, really. In the same, in the same way that cities in Silicon Valley invested in a, a tech future, John believes that we can transform the Fox River Valley into an epic epicenter for green-collar jobs. A union carpenter, just like his grandfather and older brother, as a union carpenter, Lash is considered a great a green builder, who has earned BPI certifi- certified energy energy auditor and env- envelope specialist credentials. He understands the technical aspects of making commercial and residential living spaces energy efficient. He follows federal, state, and municipal municipality. Legislation, le- legislative initiatives, and he understands the policy side of the green building world. 
last year advocated for a green building program that the Elk Grove Training Center has adapted and incorporated into their curriculum. He has fought for more inclusion and an increase of minority members in his union. He continues to challenge racism on the job site and attends rallies aimed at ending police brutality, mass incarceration, and reforming our criminal justice system. And this goes on. I'm just reading the about. It's it's a lot, but it really shows you that John 1, he's about the people. And 2, he really um, understands. He's a union member. He's middle class. He's seen the world through his military training and uh, government through the training and um, mismanagement and spending all over, all over from uh, all of his experiences. And he's the one that knows the way to effectively get through to green energy and things like that to build Aurora for that way. Now, uh, like I said, you know, the reason I support John is a, um, big reason is green. He understands that one, we represent the people and we're not corrupt. We're not taking people's money from that are messing with city hall or anything else like that. And two, he understands that we need to be able to put our money in better programs for our citizens, our constituents to better themselves, better their lives, and um, better their homes and things like that, better our our entire city instead of uh, demeaning and not supporting each other. So that's John Lash's little little promo for me from me on the podcast. Uh, if you're in Aurora, uh, just please uh, get out there, get to vote November for whoever you want. I am not going to tell you who to vote for. You obviously know who I'm going to vote for. I'm voting Green. Um, take a look at John for Aurora on all social media and check him out uh, for mayor. I think that he's probably the best um, candidate for the job. And currently, uh, the corruption and things like that uh, in City Hall need to end. So uh, onward to more things. More and more things that we've been talking about. Uh, Let me just pull up uh, my paper really quick. Sorry, guys. I didn't have it up. I do have it up. I'm just, just joshing with you. You know, there's so much, so many things that are crazy. You know, so we talked about John. We talked about uh, the DNC and uh, how they're weak, just like the GOP, and they don't care. And RGB, RBG, <laughs> every time I do that, and her passing and the issues there. Uh, we really are going to have a fight, not just for our country, but for left-wing ideals and policy and progressive policy and stuff like that. Now, I've been talking about wanting to run for office for a long time. 
And something that's come up that really I'm passionate about is the tax code for Illinois. Now, in Illinois' constitution, for some stupid reason, a flat tax was in there. Now, a flat tax means if I'm paying, if we all pay 10%, right? And I only make $10,000 a year, right? And you make a million dollars a year. I'm paying $1,000 in taxes, right? 10% of 10,000 is 1,000. And if you're making a million, a million, uh, 10% of that would be, what, 100,000? Let's say that's true, right? If I'm doing the math right in my head. Now, that 100000 isn't going to affect them. And most of the time, they're going to end up... If you make over two fifty, you're part of the 1%, which is kind of crazy. You make $250,000, you're over... T- yeah, $250,000 or more, you're part of the 1%. Think about that. Okay, as, you, as you're thinking about these numbers, right? So that $100,000 from that millionaire isn't really anything they can still survive they can you know it's not a sacrifice to them that they have to not feed their kids they don't they have to go and be evicted from their home because they don't have that extra money you know they they're settled they're fine but that person that made ten thousand dollars in the year uh is not they they aren't you know, they're sacrificing for cheaper food that really isn't healthy. They're working odd hours, including more than 40 hours a week and probably working seven days a week when when it comes to the working poor, especially, and even the middle class. Uh, and then you say, you know, then you're saying rent, your utilities, and then if you get behind those, and then if you have to use a credit card, then you have to pay the interest on that credit card and the credit card amount that you spent, etc., all that stuff. And to think that we have always had a ladder tax in our Constitution is kind of crazy. Now, Pitzker are pointing out this issue and are going to put in a ladder tax. I call it a ladder tax. They call it a graduated tax. Graduated tax, yeah, income tax. And basically, you're not going to pay 10%, just 10% if you're a millionaire in the state of Illinois. And you shouldn't. You're well off. You earned that money, yes, but you have to put into the system that will allow you to get further and further on it's and when they talk about like yeah but they earned all that money most of these people are taking tax write-offs enough to get all of that money back anyways from the very beginning so what are you talking about for the first part and second off uh they don't have to live in mega million homes and if a hundred a hundred millionaire Loses a million dollars in taxes, but you know he makes he makes ten million every year. 
you know, you know, he makes 10 million a year and he, he loses a million dollars every year. That's nothing. So he has to, he has to have one less house or she has to have one less house, one less mansion, you know, one less private jet. Who cares? They're not starving. They're not homeless. They're not getting evicted. They're not getting foreclosured. They aren't having to sacrifice for unhealthy food and the cheapest food possible, you know? And, you know, the the percentage of the tax that they're talking about after 250, I think, if I remember correctly, was 25, so 50 let's say 15% more that that means that what an extra 15% they're going to have to pay come on really that's that's going to be something that they hate oh oh uh 20% it's 20% um You know, this whole thing about it is like, they don't, you're not getting it. You're not understanding that our country is falling apart. Our state, no, this is about our state. Our state's falling apart. We have pensions to pay and we should be paying those pensions. We should not be putting them off onto 401ks or whatever you want to say, because guess what? Those people didn't pay into Social Security all their entire lives. And because they're working for the state or for the federal government, etc., we should be paying their pensions and they should be getting pensions because guess what? They shouldn't have to risk their retirement on a stock market that is cheating to inflate the stock market prices, to inflate it. And then what happens when there's a depression? What happens when then I can't retire for another another 20, 50 years because the stock market went to, you know, not to zero, but so low that I I lost all that those gains, you know? Or, you, you know, even if it goes halfway down, everything was cut in half right now. I lost everything. I just get what I put into it, and that's it. You know, that that's not an okay thing. Yes, it's the risk of a 401k, but the reason you're not making a 401k or forcing them into a 401k being their only thing is because everyone else gets a, a social security check. And that's federal. So the state has to decide what are they going to do for their teachers. And their teachers want a pension. And they should get a pension. They educate our students. They deserve everything. Everything. Especially with this pandemic happening. And we got to continue helping these teachers and our students. You know, we shouldn't want to defund our education. We shouldn't want to, to hate on our teachers. We should want to help them, support them, and stop demeaning each other and support each other, you know? This is this is this is what's gonna be uh my uh political stance when I run. 
uh, our penal, penal system is non-reforming and non-supportive. They are punishing and demeaning people. And that's not just our prison system, but our society as a whole. We're not supporting and we do not reform each other. We do not reform those in prison. We just punish and not support them. And it's a big, big issue that I've seen personally that not just my family have gone through issues, but my friends or family friends, etc., that have gone through these problems and seen it firsthand. I had a conversation about my mother to my mother last night about this and it was a lot about how you know say my my mom made 12k if she was lucky my dad was lucky if he made 20k or so and that's $22,000 a year four kids you know rent three bedroom four bedroom depending our three bedroom was the most we've ever had. Me and my twin have always uh, shared a room our entire lives. And to say that, just work harder. My dad worked himself to death. My dad died because he worked so hard that all all he could do was give us split the sandwich between us some nights and he would go and grab a slice of white bread and drink pepsi or coke or whatever it was and to say that poverty did not affect him it did he was raised even poorer than we were way 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 poorer he lived he lived in a old train car in the middle of winter with his two brothers and his mother and to think about that is just so crazy that, you know, he did do better with us. That's 100% sure. He was still there, at least in part for, because of how much he had to work. But that means we didn't have much food and things like um, SNAP food stamps and programs like those that, you know, you don't really have an outreach and this is this is one of the biggest programs one of the biggest issues my mom has with the programs is that people she she had to go search for herself and it took a very very long time to figure out if there was even a program that would be able to help us getting food let alone anything else getting going to the doctor or anything else that we needed to do and it really just need a program that is very personal of outreach she spoke of. And I think I, I think of the same thing at growing up, uh, a real human being that cares and knows what to do and wants to help. Not, not just a piece of paper thrown on, on your, on your doorknob because no one's going to go. And, um, read that paper when they have a latchkey kid if you know what a latchkey kid you're 
probably at least my age, if not older for sure. And that just means a kid that instead of uh, go, getting picked up or going home to family or whatever to, at the door, they go home home alone with a key around their neck, you know, you know, in the pocket, whatever it may be. They used to be around their neck and stuff like that so they wouldn't lose it or stuff like that. But to think that this kid, while the mom or dad or both are working until 8 o'clock at night, they get home at 3, they've been watching TV, playing video games, whatever it may be, and they get home and now they have to do their homework. Now, <laughs> they're not learning at the right level. They're not learning at the right skill set. They get held back. They have more issues. They have anger because of being poor and stuff like that that we just ignore. And these outreach programs are the ones that should be making sure that every single family and every single home in their district uh, know about these programs. And it's like it's like social social workers at at school. When I went to school, out of like two thousand people, the social worker probably saw maybe ten, twenty people, maybe a hundred. Let's say a hundred. Give them give them a little little something, you know. But they weren't seeing no two thousand people. They weren't seeing no thousand people. That's for sure. And. A lot of people really didn't know that we had social workers or a social worker rather and that's part of the issue too and the masculinity of not feeling having feelings is an issue too on top of that and most kids just are told you know keep it to yourself keep your issue to yourself because you know you, you don't want to one get your family in trouble or any anything like that and I told my mom about that as I'm talking to her about all this and she says well didn't they go into the classroom didn't they just like introduce themselves I said no ma uh-uh you'd be lucky if you saw them at all your entire four years in high school they would never come to the classroom they would never introduce themselves or anything else, you know. And it's a lot of people for, you know, one social worker for a whole entire high school. That's a lot. And, you know, I, after talking about how, like, all these very negative things. And she doesn't like negative things. And I understand why. And I learned from it. That's why I kind of enjoy talking about it. Obviously, it hurts and stuff like that because we had to live like this. But I said, what was one thing that got you through? What's one thing that, like, besides us, obviously, I'm sure she would say. And she laughed about that. I said, besides us, like, what, what really helped you get through it all? She said, well, besides you guys, of course, of course, the kids, my kids, you know. She really said the teachers and the community kept her going because they were there for us. They didn't brush us off. You know, the neighbors didn't brush us off. They were supportive when we needed help. 
the teachers, a lot of teachers, we were lucky enough to have teachers like, shout out to Mrs. Doucette, uh, my first grade teacher, phenomenal lady, uh, really cool, interesting uh, education from her, and she she actually, my mom always tells me the story, and she confirms it, that uh, we moved to a new school, new neighborhood, new home, again, you know, we've moved, we, when we were kids, we probably moved 10, 20 times plus, and we uh, didn't really want to be separated because we were going somewhere new. And especially as twins, you know, you're so connected. Spending 24 hours, seven days a week, especially say, sharing a room too. That uh, Mr. Doucette really uh, stuck out for us and told the principal and uh, the administration that she would take us in. Because my mom sure as hell wasn't going to let us be separated. She said, when they're comfortable with it, I'm comfortable with it. She allowed us that freedom kind of thing. Instead of trying to push us away from each other and into an uncomfortable situation after moving multiple times. I'm super thankful for that. I'm really thankful, Miss Doucette. If you listen, <laughs> I'll send you this. Uh, the link does, but I really appreciate it and all the history and other things you've taught me and from your own experience and stuff like that. It means the world to me. And Misty said it actually is one of the teachers that really from first grade, you know, pushed me towards, not pushed me, but I pushed myself towards politics and caring about each other. Being kind to to human beings. Because we don't know each other's stories. We don't know each other's footsteps that we had to walk through. And some of them may be hard for the ones that walked it. And someone that didn't walk that, that might have been something easy they could have gotten through. But you don't realize that what effect it has on people every human being is different and it's so interesting that you know i still have i you know this classic and i'm pronouncing it wrong of course the school books a system where you sold books for the school or whatever see now i can't freaking pronounce it and in first grade i was i had that issue a lot of pronunciation and stuff like that um, but you know, I have, I have cards and, uh, like president cards. I have a president placemat still from, from that grade, from first grade that is just kind of crazy that we, um, it's just crazy. It's crazy that I still have it and the memories just rush back. Like right now thinking about it. Like it's hard to even talk about it because of how how much emotion it brings up, but how amazing like that's part of my history and it may not be read in a book somewhere down the line, but it's a history that I'll remember forever. Always remember for sure. It's crazy. 
but you know we got we got so many different things that we can do and i'm going to build this build this platform out i really am uh and i'll keep sharing more information as i get it and more stances where i get them from and i just want everybody to know that uh, you're loved here no matter what side you're on in the political spectrum or no matter what you go by or what your skin tone is or sex or, or gender or any of any of those things really because i don't care about that i care about you as a human being and we can disagree we can obviously fight and argue but i'm not going to hold it against you i'm not going to hate you cuz in the end you're just a human being seeing it from your perspective and sometimes it's hard to get out of your perspective especially if you live the life that events cause you to look at the world that way because i sure as hell uh have seen it from the bottom up um and it's it's tough it's tough i i have agreed with different things about more right-wing stuff too but you know it's about compromise i give you that thing where i'm iffy on like i could get without that but i want like medicare for all or the green new deal etc it's it's a crazy world it's scary right now if you're not scared if you're not worried there's something wrong with you may you be liberal progressive or Maybe conservative or extreme conservative or even just moderates, left or right. Our country's changing rapidly and when the president says he's not going to give up the power, he's going to throw away ballots. And even if he's joking, he shouldn't joke like that, which he wasn't. He was very serious in that interview or in that press conference to see that fellow americans uh just don't care about it and say oh well he was joking he was joking he was joking no a president doesn't joke about not giving up power the president doesn't do that you know but i appreciate it i love you guys you guys have a great one uh this has been insight with tyler jenks i'm tyler jenks And you guys stay insightful. Love y'all. Bye-bye.